Join us for Captain's Campaign for Cures. If you plan to attend Vive or Hims this year, get a photo with Captain, our lovable service dog, and we will donate to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation to find cures for childhood cancer. For every person in the photo, we will donate $1 to Alex's Lemonade Stand. All you have to do is find Captain, grab your friends, take a picture, share it on social media, and put the hashtag Captain Lemonade or This Week Health, and we will make that donation for every person who's in that picture. Our thanks to SureTest and CTG for helping us to end childhood cancer. Today on This Week Health. Right, that is something that everyone has to do in order to move fast. So I'm a big proponent of you can move fast, but you've got to have governance. Thanks for joining us on this keynote episode, a This Week Health conference show. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. Special thanks to our keynote show partners, CDW, Rubrik, Sectra, and Trellix for choosing to invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to our show. Today, we are joined by Kristen Myers, Chief Digital and Transformation Officer at Mount Sinai Health System out of New York. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Bill. Great to be here. You were one of the interviews I did in my first year. That was a really fun interview. We talked about, actually, we talked a fair amount about women in leadership roles. And then fast forward a couple of years, you're now Chief Digital and Transformation Officer at Mount Sinai. Before we go into that, tell us a little bit about Mount Sinai Health System. Sure. So we have a long history, but in 2013, we merged with Continuum Health Partners. So we became a health system and it's around 11.3 billion in revenue in New York City, eight hospital campuses with an icon school of medicine. Uh, we have about 7,400 physicians, 43,000 employees. So Research, education, and of course, clinical care is really the mission of the organization. Wow. Is there a certain area within New York that you guys uh, serve or is it all of Manhattan? So it's all of Manhattan as well as Brooklyn, Queens, and South and Long Island. Wow. That's a, that's an amazing, amazing area. There, there is a lot going on in healthcare. What are some of the system priorities right now at Mount Sinai. What are some things you're looking at and prioritizing right now? Yeah, I think there are two for me. The first is AI and intelligent automation. So making sure that we're expanding efforts in our technology operations and clinical space. And, you know, these two areas can really help us generate revenue and reduce costs and improve operational efficiency. And also improve clinical outcomes. So we have a clinical data science team that builds and operationalizes AI and ML decision support yeah. applications and really to improve clinical quality, safety, and the patient experience. We're also looking at and have leveraged AI vendors and products in the radiology and the imaging space. We also are focused on robotic process automation and this has helped us accelerate automation for many of the administrative processes that we have in place. We're also looking at GPT, uh, large language models and 
the GPT integration with Epic for potential usage within the health system. So it's an exciting time around AI and intelligent automation, which we hear about every day. And secondly is digital transformation. I know that we've been talking about this for quite a few years, but we took a step back and thought about what the vision for Mount Sinai should be from a digital perspective. And so our vision is around digitally enabling Mount Sinai as the preferred destination for our community by anticipating needs to easily provide equitable and seamless experiences. And I think in the last two years, we've made immense progress in this area. We were able to release a branded mobile app called My Mount Sinai. We've seen tremendous increase in activation and usage and the ability to increase billing, personalization, capabilities, messaging, et cetera. It's been fantastic. So we developed a roadmap in mid-22. We have focused specifically on access around enhanced digital scheduling, care navigation, virtual health. And we have worked hand in hand with operations and digital marketing, really on a organizational change management plan. We've got a great governance structure to make sure that we've got rapid and data-driven decision-making. And again, I go back to, it's about the experience of our patients and employees. And there's been a transformation around culture also. You know, from the organizational perspective, We've gone from doing digital to being digital. So I'm very pleased with the progress that we've made, but we need to make more. Talk to me a little bit about it. You've given me so much to ask at this point, but talk to me a little bit about doing digital to really being digital. What does that transformation look like? And how does that feel to the, to the consumer? Yeah, I think that doing digital has been in the past, very much focused on bringing in different digital products and just implementing them, maybe doing pilots, not scaling them across the organization. Yeah, maybe rolling out Epic's MyChart, but that's it. Yeah. And I think being digital is really around making sure you're scaling the digital products, but also integrating them into the workflow yeah. in a seamless way. And I think being experience-led, whether it's focused on our patients and our employees, to create that seamless experience. I think that as someone as one of my team members always says to me around random acts and digital, and that's something that we want to avoid, right? We want to avoid all of the point solutions that don't integrate into a seamless experience. So yeah, the, the seamless experience is, is especially on the digital side, is is interesting to me because the way you described it, there's an awful lot of input that you get from the clinical side that they're looking at it saying, Hey, we have to do this in order to care for these patients in order to deliver high quality care in order to provide access to the people in the community. And we need to be highly efficient and those kind of things. How does the clinical community speak into the digital projects? How do they help guide the digital projects? So they are completely integrated into the team from an informatics perspective, but also into the governance structure. And so we work hand in hand with them because you could provide a seamless experience, you know, for our patients, but then have 
four applications on the back end that our physicians have to log in and out of. That's not a great experience for them. And so we're very much focused on, it needs to be seamless to the patients, but it also needs to be seamless and a better experience to our employees and our clinical teams. So I think you've got to have that dual focus when you're designing digital products and then ultimately implementing them. Yeah, I remember when I first came into healthcare and the team was really proud of themselves and they should have been. I mean, we had essentially done a single sign-on solution and they were saying, look, it, these 14 clinical applications, it's a single sign-on. So it's seamless to the clinician. And I said to them, like, I doubted it. I mean, the login is now seamless, but I doubt the rest of the experience. Sure enough, I talked to clinicians. They're like, yeah, in order to do this, I have to go to this screen. Then I have to go over here to this screen. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I... They've experienced digital in their personal world and they're looking at it going, we're heading in the right direction, but we're still not there. Yes, absolutely. So give me an idea on, on AI. I mean, AI is interesting. There's not a conversation that I'm having these days where we don't talk about artificial intelligence and where it fits. How, how does that governance group, how are they looking at AI? Are they looking at it as something that could be transformative? in the near term, long term, or how are they, and how are they seeing it and how do they think it will be applied at Mount Sinai? Yeah. So innovation is a key theme for the health system and for my department. And we know that there are AI products already implemented in our health system. And we see this as a growth area to really augment many roles in the organization. And we're going to have to work with these products in our day-to-day -day life. So we have two areas of governance. One is around deploying products in the health system, which is governed and overseen by Business Innovation Council, and it has executive leadership participation and sponsorship. And then we also have a monthly AI governance meeting chaired by our CMIO and sponsored by myself and Dr. Rich and our CMO to really review the development, evaluation, and validation and use of AI in our clinical settings and our research settings. So we need to make sure that the AI algorithms that are used, even if they're internally generated or it's a vendor product, are safe, equitable, effective, and ethical. So in terms of key AI initiatives, we have a number of predictive models that have been developed at Mount Sinai and have been deployed around malnutrition, falls, delirium, discharge planning, and respiratory insights. Now, we also have another number of vendor products that we use when radiology and imaging, as I said. And then in the, on the business side, we're looking at, and we have implemented conversational AI so we do have a web-based chatbot that's also integrated into my Mount Sinai, providing that self-service. We want that omni-channel digital experience that we have in other industries. We also are looking at and about to pilot Ambient. So the ability to have automatically documentation of care into a clinical note. And our physicians are really excited about being able to experience that. We're also looking at deploying a product in our clinical command center 
that really looks at data-driven decision-making around throughput, which is exciting. And then, you know, there's a lot of AI-based coding and automation products that we have implemented as well. And then we have our robotic process automation program. That's a program I started a few years ago to automate high volume, repeatable processes. And I think that it's been very successful. We've deployed in supply chain finance, our lab, radiology, and in my department, and we've saved over 75,000 hours annually through these automations, which is huge. So look, I think this is an area that most CIOs or CDIOs need to focus on. There are areas that you can deploy today, but the next four to five years are just going to be very exciting. But we need to make sure that we have the right controls in place uh, to ensure that anything that's being deployed is done in an ethical manner. So I think that the fact that we have got governance over AI and we set that up last year has been a big help in terms of overseeing it. Yeah, it's it, AI has been interesting to me because it's on the clinical side, I've always said we're going to see AI move very rapidly on the administrative side. And I think we are seeing that. And then, but I was kind of surprised with the GPT things that are coming out to see the, the rapid adoption of managing the inbox, generating drafts to respond to inbox messages and that kind of stuff. You're seeing Stanford, UCSD and others really rapidly. How do you move rapidly while maintaining, obviously, and I'm not saying Stanford and UCSD are because they obviously are. But how are you going to move rapidly and how are you going to maintain that oversight and quality of those initiatives? Yeah, so look, we have just implemented GPT into our Azure environment. We're spinning up our Epic and GPT integration. It'll be up and running next week, which is really exciting. So you're, yeah. you're moving rapidly as well. Look, I think you've got to have the right controls in place. And I think that you've had multidisciplinary committee looking at this. We've got our head of IP, we've got our legal team involved, we have our clinicians involved, researchers. You've got to take a team-oriented approach when you're looking at this to make sure that you're addressing all of the HIPAA concerns, security-related concerns. We had our CISO look through everything and make sure that he felt very comfortable. That is the baseline, right? That is something that everyone has to do in order to move fast. So I'm a big proponent of you can move fast, but you've got to have governance. Yeah, absolutely. They, in the geography you talked about, there is a, it's very distinct. Access is interesting. Even though people are pretty close together, there is still an access challenge. What are some of the things you're doing to take healthcare to the community, to those people that are potentially underserved in your communities? Yeah, I think we have a number of initiatives specifically around ensuring that our patients in the underserved communities have got either broadband access, that they've got the ability to get devices to be able to either communicate with their physician using my Mount Sinai, or if they're part of our remote patient monitoring, that they're able to have a device 
to be able to communicate appropriately with the physician. We also think we are very much focused on equity. And as part of our digital governance, we've made sure that we have a focused meeting as part of the governance process on diversity and equity in digital. And that has been a driver to ensure that we translate My Mount Sinai and our website to at least our top five languages at Mount Sinai to ensure that we're, we're providing that equity to our patients. So again, it's a huge focus for us, um, but you know, there's always work to do and we, we have a lot to do. Five languages. That's amazing. We had that in, in Southern California as well. And it's a distinct challenge to represent all those languages at your points of care. It's a distinct language to serve your community in the language that they speak as well. It's amazing. So I think on, on this, again, it's getting the feedback from our patients and making sure that we're designing an experience that they actually require. And we do that with patient interviews, one-on-one interviews with our consumers. So patients that aren't actually Mount Sinai patients and also our consumer surveys that we launched and getting that feedback and incorporating it. I think it's all about continuous improvement. Yeah. And has anything surprised you as that you hear from the consumer where they say, Hey, we really want this from our health system, or we really want this from a, a digital solution from the health system. I mean, it's, if we go back a little ways, it's interesting because Steve Jobs, for all the amazing things that he did, he, the one quote he gave us, which was really interesting was, they don't know what they want because I haven't created it yet, or we haven't, Apple hasn't built it yet. And it's interesting to a certain extent, you know, knowing what I know about health systems, I wonder if the consumers even know what's possible. I mean, with all these AI tools and automation and the intelligent interoperability and all the things we could do for the consumer, are they asking for anything that surprises you? Or is it at this point, is it, it's just access to the different services that you offer? So one thing that I found very interesting as part of the patient interviews is, yeah, look, the patients are very empowered and they do a lot of research before they choose a specific physician or a specialist. I, you assume sometimes that when they see a primary care physician and they're given a referral that, you know, they're going to follow that pathway. And I think what we found in the interviews is that many of our patients create spreadsheets and go to multiple websites and look at all of the patient comments that, you know, are around the internet on a particular physician. And so what they actually asked us to do is incorporate a lot of that information on our website so that they didn't have to go to multiple websites to collect that information, which I thought was interesting. So we're working actually on that. We do have the star rating, but they would like a lot more transparency as it relates to consumer comments. And luckily for us, we have amazing physicians, and so the comments will be extremely positive. So I think that's an easy win, for instance. Yeah, transparency is really, that's phenomenal. I love that. That's what they're asking for. Is there, what progress have you made or initiatives have you done to let people know what the 
cost of healthcare is going to be all along the way. I mean, we have this challenge in the U.S. around surprise bills. Have you been able to make some progress in terms of letting people know what different services are going to cost heading into it? Yeah, look, it's going to be a challenge. I think that we are lucky that we are an epic environment. And so they have tools that we're implementing that are able to show from insurance what the prospective cost will be. But I, I see a lot of challenges with this. I think that patients may not understand it. There's got to be a lot of education around it. And I see it less as a technology challenge and more of an operational challenge as yeah. to how our health system is going to handle the number of questions that come up operationally. Because we're having a lot of discussions around, does this go to the billing office, to customer service billing, or is this a front-end access challenge? And yeah, we're working through that. But it, I think transparency is excellent for our patients. It's just going to require education around this and the ability to respond quickly and efficiently. We started with, there's a lot going on in healthcare and you hold the digital transformation officer titles. I'm wondering, as you're looking at the technologies, at the, the staffing shortages and challenges that we have and some of the other maybe supply chain issues and whatnot we have in healthcare, but what, what does, what do you think we are going to be looking at say three to five years from now in healthcare? What will be markedly different? And how, how will that be experienced by the clinician and how will that be experienced by the patient? Look, I think that the products that we use are all going to have APIs with either GPT or other products. So again, I think that we're going to see improvement in patient experience. I think we're going to see clinical workflows be optimized. And I also see research being accelerated, quite frankly. Look at even, we just talked about EPIC and the clinician efficiency around administrative tasks, right? So with the in-basket, I think that generation of clinical notes, letters, responding to the patient queries, that's coming at us right now. The text classification of large volumes of unstructured text within the EHR, I think there's going to be more patient-facing chatbots, conversational assistants helping clinicians find information more easily with text summarization or even being able to be able to generate a discharge summary easily. I think that's something that we'll see in the next probably year. So as I said, I think that AI will be something that is going to, we're going to have to work side by side with, and it will just augment the jobs that we're currently doing whether it's clinical or education and research. It's interesting to me watching these, the GPT tools, integration into Azure, integration into Epic. You have Google Bard and they're coming, they had the initial misstep, but they're coming back with some really interesting tools and whatnot. It's, uh, this is going to be a fascinating time to see who can take these tools to med school and then make them really effective assistance for for our clinicians and for the patients. It's going to be really, this is going to be a really fun time, I think, to, to 
see the progress that the promise of technology that's been around for a while, when we put all these digital tools in, I think we're going to realize a lot of the benefits over the next three to five years. It's going to be a really fun time, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, as long as there's the right governance and the policies and the controls in place, and we make sure that it's free from bias, right? And appropriate. We'll get back to our show in just a minute. I am excited about our webinars this year. They have been going very well. What I've done is I've gone out and talked to people in the community and said, what works in webinars? And they came back and said, look, this is what we want. We want a webinar that is not product centric. It's really focused in on the problems of healthcare. And we want people on there that are actually solving those problems. And so we have done that. And the response has been fantastic this year. We have another webinar coming up. It is the future of care spaces. Where care is being delivered is changing rapidly. Even the care spaces within the hospital themselves are changing. Technology is being added and different types of technology, AI, obviously, computer vision and whatnot is changing that modality as well as what's going on in the home and whatnot. So we're going to have that webinar on June 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We usually have it on the first Thursday. Happens to be a little too close to my anniversary. So we're going to do June 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern time, Future of Care Spaces. We would love to have you be a part of it. If you are interested in being there, go ahead and hit our website, top right-hand corner. We have a card. You can click on that card and go ahead and fill out the form and get registered today. We would love to have you join us. We look forward to seeing you there. Now back to our show. Yeah. All right. So let me give you two exit questions. Is there, I mean, is there a specific technology that you're keeping an eye on right now? It could be a specific vendor product or a specific area that you're keeping an eye on that you think is going to have a significant impact? I know we've spoken so much about DPT, so I can't say. Well, no, let's, let's go down that path. There's a lot of stuff going on there. So what promise do you see in GPT? What challenges do you see? Look, I think that our data science teams are looking at using GPT, creating those models to optimize patient discharge planning, for instance. Our Dean of AI is looking to that integration of GPT with Azure to accelerate and enhance research and specifically using large language models and pathology. I think that so many of our vendors that we have relationships with also are starting to leverage it. Epic, we also use Avamo as our conversational AI tool to improve patient experience and that will be integrated. Even service delivery. So ServiceNow is, has got a partnership with NVIDIA and I'm actually very excited about that. So any way that we can make our service delivery experience much more seamless within the health system, as well as more efficient for our team, I'm really excited to see that roadmap in the future. Yeah, it is, man, it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch. I was curious that you brought up the ServiceNow solution as well, because I'm seeing a lot of systems go to platforms. They are, they're looking for platforms. Azure is one of your platforms, obviously. I mean, you've talked about Epic as a platform. Now ServiceNow is a platform. How important is platforms in your overall strategy? Yeah, extremely important. We, about, I would say three to four years ago, had 1,200 applications in our portfolio. We've reduced it down to, I would say, less than 800 right now. And I think it's extremely important in terms of having a 
more seamless experience for employees, ensuring that we're optimizing cost appropriately. We shouldn't be having pilots that never scale across an organization. And you have to be able to finish them and to decommission them and, you know, archive the data. We have a whole program around that, but we are platform first. And, you know, unless there is a compelling case to be made for a best of breed. So final question here. So talk to me about the chief officer role. You moved into that role. What is, what does that role look like? What does the day-to-day look like? What is the focus of that role? Yeah. So the title is Chief Digital and Information Officer. There you go. I was appointed CIO three, three years ago. And when I think about the work that I'm focused on and my department is focused on, it's really around transformation and from a digital perspective. And that is why the title changed because it was really a recognition of the fact that the digital experience and organization was part of my department and that that was not going to be a separate department in the organization. Uh, which is why the, I would say the CDO and CIO role is now one at Mount Sinai. And you are correct. Chief digital and information officer. It's interesting that CDO, CIO title and role I see coming together more and more because the, the tool sets all need to work together. You can't have like a front end tool set of digital and a back end tool set of all the things you have to integrate and the the workflows and all the things that you talked about before, if that's all in the same organization, that the workflow tends to work better together, the data tends to flow better together and all those things. That's the thing we're hearing more and more is that the it's a seamless experience for the organization when those two things fall together. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, Kristen, I want to thank you for your time. I know how busy you are. Has your organization come back into the office? Or are you guys still remote and in the office, yeah. sort of hybrid? Yeah, we're hybrid. So I'm in the office the majority of the week and Thursdays here and with my leadership team, in fact, each week, which is exciting. So I think that we live in a hybrid world and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Does New York feel like New York still though? I mean, is it still yes, yes. Is a lot of energy on the streets and stuff? Absolutely. I don't know if you can see outside my window, but yes, there's a lot of luck going on. Fantastic. Kristen, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. I love the chance to have these conversations. I think if I were a CIO today, I would have every team member listen to a show like this one. I believe it's conference level value every week. If you want to support This Week Health, tell someone about our channels. That would really benefit us. We have a mission of getting our content into as many hands as possible. And if you're listening to it, hopefully you find value. And if you could tell somebody else about it, it helps us to achieve our mission. We have two channels. We have the conference channel, which you're listening to, and This Week Health Newsroom. Check them out today. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast. You get the picture. We are everywhere. We want to thank our keynote partners, CDW, Rubric, Sectra, and Trellix, who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.